As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. ESPN called it Statement Saturday, but... Ari, I think we all know it was grab-ass Saturday. It was grab-ass Saturday from beginning to end and still kind of going on. It oh, is. Right. <laughs> we, we were going – okay. The initial plan was we were going to wait till the end of the the Utah-Oregon game because we respect Pac-12 after dark, and we wanted to make sure that we, we gave it the proper respect. But then Oregon was in firm control of the game going into the half, and we're like, you know what? Maybe we can start it in the third quarter. And then Oregon comes out – to start the third quarter with Ty Thompson and fumbles and Utah scores. And now the game is tied in the fourth quarter. Oregon that is driving though. Scoop and score was USDA prime grab assery too. So we got it at the beginning of the game or the day. And now we have it after midnight into Sunday. So, uh, you know, it's like funny because I was thinking about how we would start today's show. And it's like, Andy, why don't we start by talking about the team that you thought played well today? Uh, <laughs> South Carolina, South Carolina played well today. Yes, they played yeah. very well. I don't know. I don't know. Like there, there was a bingo card. I didn't know if I'd have Corey Foreman, uh, defensive end five star who hasn't really hasn't amounted much, to what really. they thought yeah. he was going to be having a game clinching interception or if South Carolina's offense was going to turn into the 2000 Rams and drop 63 points on Tennessee. Um, if, Michigan was going to need a last second field goal uh, to beat Illinois. If Ohio state was going to be trailing uh, Maryland at halftime and on defense up by three late in the fourth quarter on the road. I mean, I don't know. Georgia was up nine, nothing at halftime. Would would TCU need a fire drill field goal to beat Baylor? Yeah. And I even think like LSU was like only up by a touchdown in the second quarter against UAB Uh, North Carolina lost. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we should start with TCU, right? Cause they played a hard fought game on the road and, and, and won. Does that a good place to start? I think that's a good place to start because it was the game we were told was going to happen. The game Vegas told us was going to happen. The game we thought was going to happen, that, that it was going to be another close game. They'd be challenged again. <laughs> and, and here you pick Baylor against the spread. So you were right. They, they covered. Yeah, but TCU survives. They are unbelievably resilient because they should have lost that game. There, there were some times that I thought Baylor got a little cute there, but TCU just kept coming. And I got to tell you, when they got the ball back, I was fairly confident that that Max Duggan was going to get him get him in position to kick a game winning field goal. I was not that confident when I realized they're trying to do this with the clock running and no timeouts. Yeah. Uh- Sonny Dyke said after the game that it looked more frantic than it actually was. It looked pretty frantic to me. <laughs> it, it, it looked very frantic. Although I will say it it kind of looked according to plan because they ran to the hash that the kicker wanted it at and, and everything seemed pretty smooth about the operation of the kick. So TCU is in great shape right now. TCU will be yeah. number four in the ranking again. And then when Michigan or Ohio State loses, they will – Jump to number three, assuming they beat Iowa State. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, they just got Texas and Baylor back to back. 
and beat both of those teams and did it in different ways. And, you know, TCU is just a tough, resilient team. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to the people who listen to the show and, and say that I think they could win a national title this year, but they've certainly earned every piece of, of their potential spot in this playoff. And I think what this, uh, Saturday gave us more than anything is some clarity of, of who controls their own destiny. Now, it, you know, it, TCU is a win yep. in your end scenario. I think USC now controls their own yes, destiny. Very much. Um, and you know, the teams that actually have earned it, uh, are kind of in that position. And there's always been a distinction between earned it and best. And, you know, right now I think TCU is kind of in the intersection of earned it the most and might be one of the four best teams in college football. Yeah, their strength of record is still. I, I think it's going to be number one. I think so, it has to be number one. Yeah. After Ten- yeah, Tennessee's no, yeah. was up there, but obviously will not be now. And so, and it is. It is definitely TCU. It is USC. It is the two teams at the top of the Big Ten, and it is Georgia that that are that are in control at this point. Now, who was the biggest winner? Out Clemson. of all the stuff that, yeah, that's right. Because Clemson, all of a sudden, they just need a couple things to happen. They they need Notre Dame to beat USC, which or, I think is within the realm of possibility. By the yeah. way, I'm not doing any, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to rub it in and say, hey, look what USC's. I'm not rubbing that. I watched that game. Their defense is trash, so like they could lose that game. Yeah, but like I don't know what I don't know what it, it could take. For Clemson again, all it needs is TCU um, to lose or USC think, to lose, or do they need USC both? And, and TCU both lose? Because here's here's the thing: Clemson's got to worry about. Clemson's got to worry about Michigan beating Ohio State and Ohio State sitting there at eleven and one with a resounding win against Notre Dame, where Clemson got clobbered by Notre Dame. That right. that could be a problem. You don't want them. any common opponents. Yeah, and Michigan's strength of schedule would kind of bite them in the butt if they're. If right. they're a one-loss team better, without a conference championship. Better for the Big Ten at this point if Michigan wins because then you might get them both in. Yeah, you don't want Ohio State and Clemson, or if you're a Clemson fan, being the two compared at the end of the road here. Um, but I think that there is a legitimate path now for Clemson to get into the playoff, whereas when I woke up this morning, they were dead in the water. So, yeah. And it's like we're kind of scrambling to find that fourth team. And that was kind of the reason why I was hoping that Tennessee might win and USC wins on Saturday because I don't like the scrambling to find. Right. The, We'd have a much more robust debate about that, but that's over. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's like I don't know. I don't find much enjoyment out of scrambling for the fourth. I'd rather argue about the th- the six best teams that all have solid resumes and scream at you back and forth about whether USC or Tennessee would get no, in in that scenario. That I don't want to scramble with you to be like, oh, well, I guess this is the team that's kind of who I would pick if we had to find yeah, that's, somebody. That's what that, and that's what we're going to end up with, I think, as we go into championship weekend. We're going to be like, eh, whatever. If they win, it's fine. If they get in, it's fine. I, I think that's I think that's probably where we're at right now. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely uh, get a little bit more context here. And USC's, you know, got a tough road ahead. I still don't know that I think they're going to make it all the way, Andy. I just that was a good win for them. I did not. I think I think this one did more for Caleb Williams Heisman chances, right? Than than my confidence in them making it all the way. But I but I I feel a lot more confident about them making it all the way after this game because I felt like UCLA was a tough matchup for them. Yeah, I, and now this version of Notre Dame that they're going to play, and I think this is a theme that we we need to discuss, and it is these are eighteen to twenty two year olds, and the version you saw when you maybe you haven't watched them in a while, the version you saw a month ago or even last week may not resemble the version that you're going to see next week. Which I think South Carolina is probably the poster boy of that. That's exactly right. I was going to bring that was my next point. If you watched the South Carolina-Florida game last week, you're like, holy crap, South Carolina's bad. They, they don't have their two best running backs. They have no chance against Tennessee. Oh, and Florida's going to Vandy, so they're going to win by 50. Florida lost to Vandy, and South Carolina hung 60-something on Tennessee. 60. It's like Spencer Rattler looked like the quarterback that we thought he was going to Kurt be all Moore. along. <laughs> the 2,000 Rams. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, USC, uh, the South Carolina version, um, is a very talented team. It's funny because, like, I was looking, somebody, 
mention this, but I, I was looking earlier in the week, but South Carolina is the number 20 team in the 247 talent composite, and Tennessee is 19. So it's like there was this huge margin between these two in the spread. I think the spread was 22 and a half points, right. but actually there it was Dave Ubbin who showed me. Yeah, in talent, they're not that far apart. Now, because of South Carolina's injuries, like Marshawn Lloyd was out, I was thinking that, that they were going to struggle. But what South Carolina did, and it's it's interesting because they were – you had South Carolina fans saying that Shane Beamer, you know, they were ready to run him out of town after the Florida game. But what they did this week was figure out a way to get their best athletes the ball. Like Jaheim Bell, probably their best athlete on offense. And so they just were handing him the ball. They, they were getting him – he was he you know he was he's a tight end but they were getting him the ball and then using to carry and joiner more doing doing wildcat type stuff with to carry and joiner who was originally a quarterback and tennessee's defense good lord Ari. like that's that's the thing if tennessee had let's say tennessee had made the playoff and they'd had to play tcu or usc which i don't think they would have because they would have had to probably play the number one seed but that defense would have gotten sliced and diced. Oh yeah, if that, was, if that version of that it defense really seemed like up. it had been improving for the past month too. You know, like we thought we were right. past sixty three points, Kentucky and, and yeah, but it um, just yeah, that was that was bad. And you know, we found out about Tennessee because you don't know when you see the first loss because last year we saw Georgia lose to Alabama and then we saw them turn around and beat Alabama. But I think we know now what would have happened if Tennessee got another crack at Georgia. It would have been pretty ugly, probably. Yeah, um, I'm kind of happy we don't have to see it now. Uh, well, I, I don't and, know. And I, I feel ho- like I've I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. I was I- very sad to see Hendon Hooker go down, non-contact injury, look like a knee. I hope I hope he's not done. I hope he can play. You know, yeah. Vandy or playing their bowl. Because here's the thing for Tennessee: as disappointed as they are right now, and I'm sure they're they're furious because. Not only do they they lose and they're not going to make the playoff, this is kind of what happened to them in 2016 where they beat they beat Georgia, they beat Florida, and then they lose to South Carolina. And it's like, oh, what are we doing here? Because that, that was when you thought they were going to win the East, but then they lose to South Carolina. They lose, and they were, but they were still going to go to Sugar Bowl after that, and then they lost to Vandy. So if they can bounce back and beat Vandy, which, by the way, is on a two-game SEC winning streak, then Tennessee's yeah, going to make a them. New Year's Six. Yeah, exactly. But Tennessee's going to make a New Year's Six Bowl, which is something if you told people at the beginning of the season that was going to happen, they're going to go 10-2 and two and make a New Year's Six Bowl. Their fans would be like, awesome, great, we'll take it. But now they're like, this is awful. This is the worst thing that ever happened. You know, the sky is falling. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, so Into Wilderness here just asked, what's TCU's composite? Because we're talking about Tennessee. That is Tennessee was the number 19 composite, and I was afraid they had a chance to win the national championship and wreck my entire galaxy of of stars. Uh, uh, theory. TCU is number 32. So they are 13 spots behind what Tennessee was, and I think they are the last remaining team who's in the mix right now that's not somewhere in the top 15. Well, the composite only goes back to 2015. I was hoping it would go back to 2014. Because I wanted to see what Oregon's talent. This is he asked, "What's the lowest composite of a team that has won a single CFP game?" I suspect in it's the, 2014 Oregon. It has to be 2014 Oregon. We just don't know what the number is because it didn't exist. So, if you remove the 14 season out of the equation, I think it was number 13 or number 12 Clemson one year, right? And it was the Deshaun Watson year. So. Um, it's not, and then nobody else has won a playoff game. So we're talking about two teams because Michigan here um, is 14, so they would set the new record, or TCU would set the new record if either of them were to win a playoff game this year. And there's a but, chance they could play one another. Like if yeah. Michigan beats Ohio State and, t- and TCU wins out, I think you're going to see you would see Michigan two and TCU three in that situation, which might be the only way that they win one. To be honest. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, an interesting thing. But we got Georgia, who's still alive. They're number two. Clemson's number five, if they're still alive. Um, LSU is technically still alive at eight. Notre Dame is not alive. I don't know why I said that. USC is 11. Uh, Michigan is 14. So that's the lowest ranked team right now that's still alive. Ohio State's three. So 
you know, at the end of the road here, it's probably going to end up being Georgia and Ohio State because that's what happens every year. But, you know, maybe Michigan will change that up a little bit and beat Ohio State on the road uh, next weekend, which I'm sure we'll talk about at Let's some point. Let's talk about that right now. I want to talk about Ohio Woo! State and Michigan now because not even after of, the commercial break, huh? No, no. We're going to get into this right <laughs> freaking now because both those teams played scary, scary games on Saturday and both yeah. of them had situations where you're looking at it going, I don't think they're going to be full strength next week. So Blake Corum got hurt against Illinois. Michigan comes back, wins on a field goal. But Blake Corum, we don't know his situation for Ohio State. Encouraging that he came back into the game after right. the injury for, I think it was a play. Right. He had five, I think he had five rushing, one carry for five yards in the second half. And then they pulled him again. So it doesn't yeah. seem like his whatever the injury is, is a season ending one. Right. Cause there's no way somebody with a torn ACL is coming back into the game. Right. And I watched the replay and I'm not a doctor, but it didn't look like there was any weird jerking motions there that would cause you to think that a ligament has been now torn. But on, on the other side of the, the, the equation though, Trey Henderson did leave the Maryland game in a boot and CJ Stroud was limping pretty badly at the end of that game. Yeah. Uh, that's football for you. You know, um, I feel like when I think about this game, Andy, like I'm one of those cartoon characters that has the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. There's no implication about the angel or the devil, but I've got two different directions being tugged at it. You have Jim Harbaugh on on one shoulder and you have Ryan Day on another shoulder. So it's like on one hand, I think that Michigan's offense stinks without quorum. And if they don't play, they're in trouble. JJ McCarthy isn't that dude yet. And that if they play at Ohio State uh, when there's no crazy wind or bad weather, that there's no possible way that Michigan will be able to score enough to keep it a close game and that Ohio State will win going away. And I also think, too, that there is a chance that we are putting too much stock into what happened last year and that Ohio State has spent the last year uh, obsessed with this game like they do every year in order to stop Michigan from doing what it did last year, which is run the ball down their throat, and they're going to be a different, more improved defense that can just beat the crap out of them. Like, that's on one, one side, that's how I feel. On the other side... I see Ohio State play grab ass every week, and I said this to you in a text message, but at a certain point, is it grab ass or is this just who they are? You know, and somebody said, you know, that's the saying, uh, if somebody shows you who they are, believe them. It's like, at what point do we believe that Ohio State is just a team that is not playing its optimum football at the moment? And it's possible that they still are going to have issues with Michigan's toughness and have issues stopping the run. So, and if that's the case and Michigan comes into Ohio stadium and pushes Ohio state around, then you have a problem there. And I don't know which way I'm leaning because both scenarios seem very possible to me. I would agree with you on, on both scenarios feeling possible because I was thinking about as, as Ohio state was struggling with Maryland, I was thinking back to 2018 when they played a very weird game against Maryland, they, they went to overtime, should have lost that game. And it was the one where you you kind of knew something was up with Urban Meyer, that he's probably not, you know, this, something's not right here. But then they destroyed Michigan the next week. Yes. And like, it's, it's like still a very talented team. And if they play their best football, I think they're going to have a really hard time being stopped. And I think that you come into this next game without grab ass, right? Like it's a rivalry game. There's a lot on the line. Ryan Day's reputation's on the line. Jim Harbaugh's build is on the line. A playoff spot's on the line. A Heisman Trophy could be on the line. A Big Ten Championship could be on the line. You you would think that both of these teams would come out and play very, very crisp, motivated, hard-hitting football. And if that happens, and Ohio State's playing at the top of its game, and its $2 million defensive coordinator figures out how to stop the run and actually makes the other team quarterback make a play on like last year, you know, it seems to me that you could really convince yourself that Ohio state could win this game 42 to 21 or 42 to 17. On the other hand, Ohio state could just be what they were last year in disguise. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We, we talked about the, the scenario that, that ends with Ohio State winning by a lot, but the scenario where Michigan wins this game feels equally plausible. Yeah. Like, that Ohio State defense we saw against Maryland today, if Michigan is, is good up front and running the ball effectively, they're going to score on these guys, and they're probably going to hold Ohio State to fewer points than Maryland did. And obviously, I'm not counting the defensive touchdown there at the end. That was uh, some ultimate grab ass that that probably resulted yes. in uh, some people winning and losing quite a bit of money. Yeah, uh, well, especially if you live bet it in the middle of the game, because that's what I mean. That was a that was a major. Uh, it went from six to thirteen, right? So a lot of key numbers were crossed uh, at the end of that game, and you know, it's just be grab ass at the beginning, grab ass at the end, and grab ass all day. Um, so. Early weather forecast for Columbus next week. High 41, low 32 on Saturday. Morning rain and snow. Winds about 14 miles an hour. That's not good for Ohio State. Yeah. That 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 feels like something that might make you hail to the victor's valiant. Yeah, and Ohio State's running game is just off right now. And it's not, and I don't even know, like Trey Henderson, it was really interesting to watch because he certainly was a five-star prospect and one of their most encouraging young players a year ago. And, you know, now he's hurt, but also he just doesn't seem to be hitting the holes when they're in front of him. It's like his vision's off. I don't know what it is. He's bouncing runs outside when there's a clear hole right in front of him and it just doesn't seem to be working right now. I think that um, I think that has something to do with, with being not entirely physically well. Uh, Hayden did a great job. The freshman came yeah. in and, and well, the had second to be, they put a running back in the game that would hit the hole, they started running the ball for seven yards a carry. Yeah, yeah, and and he's he may have to be the guy. You know, Mayan Williams. They there's they said what he might be able to play, but we don't know. And then Trey Henderson again left the game in a boot. Yep, and then Jackson Smith and the Jigba doesn't seem to be playing either. So. Uh, I don't know what that injury actually is, but he's basically missed the entire year, which is yeah, kind of feels, a rough look for Ohio feels, State. Because it's like a Nick Bosa situation. That yeah, it's just kind of like oh we'll yeah, see him at the draft. Yeah, I mean if he doesn't play, then you will see him at the draft because he's that good. But it would have been something to see Harrison and Jackson spin the jig, but all those guys um uh on the same field at the same time. So like, I'm, I'm just most, most importantly excited to watch the game. Yes. And like, I think that a close game would be great. And I think that it's very much within the realm of possibility that both of these teams still make the playoff at the end of the year. If Michigan wins, I think Ohio state's in a better position to, to withstand that blow than they would be um, just based on resume and, and uh, you know, kind of how they're made up. Well, and, and also how the I think committee to, used them, but today today should have showed us don't make any assumptions. We we assumed South Carolina would be an easy win for Tennessee, and obviously it was not. There was no easy wins for anybody today. No, like I don't even know who, who got an easy win. Uh, Arkansas got an easy Arkansas win against got Ole Miss. An easy win, yeah. But it was it was I mean, a, South Carolina, <laughs> South Carolina exactly. It was, but it was. It, you're right. It was a slog for all these teams and our our friends uh, Dan and Ty at the Solid Verbal always say, "Win your clunkers." This was a day of winning clunkers for sure. But USC is in the Pac-12 title game. They won against UCLA. They are done in, in with Pac-12 play. They finished eight and one in league play. They're in. Now it's a matter of figuring out who they are playing against. If Oregon wins this game, they have to beat Oregon State, and they're in. If Utah wins this game, they just have to beat Colorado, and they're in. Yeah. I don't know. If you're USC, which, who do you want to match up with? Utah? Oregon or, or Utah already beat you. 
Oregon, do we feel like Oregon has a better, like a deeper roster than Utah? I, I don't know that I feel that way. I think that USC, if you remember the Utah game, was handling them pretty good for at least a half of that game. I think right. it's really hard to beat the same team twice. Like, I think if I were USC, I'd rather play Utah um, just for that confidence boost of, hey, we already went toe-to-toe with these guys and probably should have won the first time. And then, you know, it was a very emotional night night game on the road at Utah and Salt Lake City where they were, you know, all emotional because they were honoring fallen teammates. And it was just, uh, mm-hmm. it was just a tough place to play. So, yes. um, you know, so they'd be in a it, neutral site the next time around, and you think and that, indoors too. Yeah. USC strikes me as a good indoors team um, with the talent they have offensively, and you know, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough game no matter who they play. But you know, if USC beats UCLA, Notre Dame, and then one of those two teams in consecutive games, I would be very impressed by that. Yes, the Pac-12 title game is in Vegas, Chad Dog, and Andy and I are going to be there, and we're covering a USC game together. That's that's exactly right. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with USC and Notre Dame because Notre Dame beat Boston College 44 to nothing on Saturday. Again, I'm not sure what that means. Boston College beat NC State last week and then laid it against Notre Dame today. Notre Dame has looked significantly better with the exception of the second half of the Navy game in the second half of the season. I mean, really, since the Syracuse game, Notre Dame has looked pretty awesome. Strikingly competent, I think, is the way I would put it. Um, yeah. Despite being shockingly incompetent for the first half of the year. So, you know, I, I think that I don't know if USC's defense could stop a nosebleed right now. So I'm, yeah. I'm very concerned about that. But are you, what's your where's your head? Are you rooting for USC to get to, to Vegas with the playoffs still on the line? Like, do you want it to be fun or do you want it to be over by the time we're, we're there? I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin Tay asks in the chat, what if the winner of Utah, Oregon loses next week? Who makes it then? I, I do have the scenario for Washington to get in or, or a scenario for Washington to get in. It's not it, it's one of them. Uh, that would be Washington wins out. So they, they did beat Colorado, and, and so they, they, they would then have to win the Apple Cup. Oregon beats Utah but loses at Oregon State. UCLA did beat UCLA. Uh, USC did beat UCLA, so that happened. They need UCLA to lose to Cal and Oregon State to beat Arizona State or Utah to lose to Colorado in that case. Does your head hurt now? Yeah, I didn't retain any of that. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I, was yeah, reading I don't it. even know what you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how. If you if you said now, having just read it, how can Washington make the Pac-12 title game? Like, I don't know. So Washington's probably rooting for Oregon right now either way because Oregon has a more losable game next week than Utah does. They do. They do. Oregon State is an absolutely losable game for Oregon. And especially after everything I saw today, I, I am not going to assume anything about that game. So, yeah. but right now the, the ducks huddled on the sideline, they're facing a third and 12. They're up three with three twenty eight to go as we record this. So there's some, there's a lot of drama left to unfold, but yes, the, the Notre Dame USC game, I'm very excited about that Ari, just because I like that that game feels relevant again. And we've had, a few, I just want it to feel relevant when we're there. Well, it will feel a lot more relevant, yes, if USC beats Notre Dame. So go fight on, baby. Fight okay, on. Okay, so you're you're gonna root with me next week then. Oh, I think it'll be fun. It it'd be a lot of fun if USC is playing for a playoff berth in the sure. Pac twelve championship game. Yeah. I, the last time Utah had a chance in twenty nineteen and then lost to Oregon in the Pac twelve title game. Yeah. I think that's the closest the Pac twelve has been to getting a team in the playoff since Washington in 2016. So, I mean, it's a big deal for the league, even though USC is leaving. But, you know, I, I think right now, what the game we're watching, Utah-Oregon, this is the game, this will be the game of the year in the Pac-12 every year. Yeah. Once USC and UCLA are and, gone. And Oregon's now punting, right? Oregon is now punting. And, yes, Utah can come back and win this thing. I don't know if you have any live action on this game. Like I the don't. Green no, I had, a, game the other I, had a, I had an insanely good day today, so I just took the night games off after USC won. I like that. I appreciate yeah. that. I had a really rough Tuesday, but ever since I was humiliated online, uh, I kind of got back off the schneid a little bit. So uh, 
Just so, betting on, on college games before they start is dumb. Just just get a good live line and, and let it ride. So as we wait for Cam Rising to lead Utah out, let's talk about some other games. We'll go to the Big Ten because the Big Ten West is still undecided, but we know who's in control now. Iowa's defense uncharacter- uncharacteristically got run all over by Mo Ibrahim today, but they forced turnovers when they had to, and they always won that do. game. They Spencer always Pe- do. And, and Spencer Petrus, I will say, was very efficient to start that game. I want to say his first 17 passes he threw for 177 yards. Like, that's over 10 yards in attempt. That's very good. The final score was 13 to 10. Are we going to talk ourselves into efficiency on offense now? I'm or? not talking. No, okay. I'm not. But, but what I'm saying is it looks like a typical Iowa game, but it actually didn't play out like a typical Iowa game. Yeah, I mean, 221 yards passing is like, what, his entire season total combined? So that's that's a, <laughs> and, that's and, a pretty good game. And Mo Ibrahim went over 200 yards on the ground. So, so Iowa has to beat Nebraska, and then they're in the in Indy, right? That's it. That's it. They beat Nebraska. They are in. If they lose to Nebraska, it opens the door for Purdue if they win the old oaken bucket against Indiana. I just can't tell. Like, is Kirk Ferentz just a genius? Did he sell his soul to the devil? <laughs> Like, is he in in deep with the wrong people? Like, how how does he keep doing this? Because well, there is no reason why a team that is so I don't know awful. There's there's no nice way to put it offensively can rattle off five five I, wins I in a row like this. Good defense and good special teams travel. They do. It's it's like such a demoralizing way to 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 hurt people. It's like. Uh, when Iowa wins a game, they don't just kill you. They torture you first. You know? <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. They rip your fingernails out one think, by one. I think That's Iowa is like do. a snake that wraps itself it's around its prey. Oh, it's prey. a boa constrictor. Um, or a python. Or an anaconda. Yeah. It is a type of constrictor. And it just takes a minute, uh, but your life escapes you slowly. But, you know, when they get their head chopped off, they, they get their head chopped off. So, yeah. Um, but Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Minnesota – you know, all winnable games, but the fact that they won all of them, I think, is a good thing. Nebraska will be kind of a tricky game, but they, that shouldn't be. Hold on, Ari. Hold on, Ari. What if Michigan beats Ohio State and just emotionally blown out after that game? Yeah. Maybe physically banged up, and they face Iowa. I thought Iowa, Iowa had a, I thought Iowa Iowa had a chance beats last them year. in Indianapolis. Iowa beat the beat the crap out of or Michigan beat the crap out of them. Last I know year. they destroyed them. I, I, I thought it, that Iowa had a chance to win that game last year because I thought stylistically that they would have matched up. Well, I think Iowa is better now than when Michigan beat them earlier in this season. I, I, I will say that, but that would be, that would be the craziest result of this season. If that happened, I don't think that'll happen. By the way, speaking of crazy, we've got a fourth down for the Utes right now. I'm not watching it. So I need you to, to, Keep me posted, but Taz997 said he put some cheddar on Utah in my honor, so I'm kind of hoping he hits it. I don't know how I to ride tell you my, this, I ride Chaz. With my boys. I, I, oh. I, hope it, I hope you've got some points because uh, Cam Rising threw a nice pass over the middle. It was not caught. I thought that uh, – I feel like Utah has turned it over on downs like 11 times in this game. It's not been the prettiest game, Ari. It, it's been a little... Okay, it was Taz, not the greatest fire again, dude. You got better odds now. There's plenty of time he, left. He, How he, many timeouts do we have? He did have to dive for it, but it did hit his hands. So... Uh, do we they, have timeouts? They have, they have two timeouts. All right, fire again, Taz. You probably get five to one right now. <laughs> no, stop. Stop <laughs> costing this man money. <laughs> I don't, I'm just letting you know. I, I just keep firing. You took the night off for a reason. Yeah, they got, they got two timeouts. There's a minute 57 to go. So... Okay. Oregon so does like Oregon. make one... Oregon does need to make one first down before they can get in victory formation. But if Oregon can win the Civil War, I, we're, we're not allowed to call that anymore, right? I don't Oregon, know. Oregon State You're always game. the one telling me I'm allowed to say the things that I say anymore. It used to be called the Civil War. That's what they called it. So, uh, But if Oregon wins that game, then they are in, and we get the Oregon-USC matchup that we kind of expected all season. It's just, you know, it was a windy road, but we got there, didn't we? Every day is a windy... No. Well, again... We should assume nothing with the Ducks and the Beavers. Nothing. Oh, I agree. Taz, at least I have my FTX holdings. Do we want to break I was it telling, Taz? Taz, <laughs> let me, I'll make you feel better real quick. I had a bunch of money in Bitcoin on the Voyager app. And the reason why I did it was because I somebody talked me into doing it because they paid interest on your holdings. And then Voyager went, went bankrupt. 
and I lost all the holdings, but it was like frozen in an account. And then FTX like came in to save the day and bought out of the bankruptcy. So I thought I was going to get my money back. And then a week after they got the bankruptcy finished, FTX stuff exploded and I don't get my money anymore. So, uh, you know, Taz, let's get a beer. We'll talk about it. You, know? <laughs> you, and, you and Taz have a lot to talk about. We'll be right back after these words. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. North Carolina out of the playoff picture. They probably weren't really in it anyway, but they're definitely out of it now. They lost to Georgia Tech. They took a it took a lead in this I believe it was a 17-0 lead. And then Georgia Tech just shut them down the rest of the way. And it was, it was, it was, yes, it was a 17-0 lead. And then Georgia Tech scored 21 unanswered points using its third and fourth string quarterback. <laughs> it was it was wild. Like Drake May got shut down. Now, Josh Downs did drop a touchdown pass that would have won North Carolina this game. And maybe him the Heisman. Yeah, Drake Drake's Heisman <laughs> chances took a little little bit I of mean, a beating it was, it was there, a, too. That's a tough break because you put the ball right on the money in one of the best receivers in the country's hands and in yeah. the end zone. He's open. It's just like that. They could run that play 100 times, and they scored 99 times. So Bo Nix won't even kneel like he dove instead of kneeling. But... Oregon's going to win this game. They are in victory formation right now. Uh, but North Carolina is is out, but not out, obviously, of the ACC title race. They they play North Carolina State on Friday, rivalry game, and NC State just just lost to BC and then just lost to a Malik Cunningham-less Louisville. So that's going to be a weird one, too, because if North Carolina takes out its frustration on the Wolfpack, things are going to get pretty hairy for Dave Doran there. But yeah. I don't think Drake May is probably a Heisman contender at this point. Now, he could have a big he's, game against Clemson. Drake's me as somebody who's going to win one eventually, though. I think he'll come in next year as a co-front runner with Caleb, with Caleb Williams, although Caleb Williams might win it this year. Yeah. If Caleb Williams has a big game against Notre Dame, like the game he had Friday, uh, Saturday against UCLA was unbelievable. 502 passing yards. Like he was unstoppable. Notre Dame's probably better on defense, but if he has a big game against them with everybody watching and then has another good game against, we think, Oregon, we'll see if they beat the, the Beavers in Vegas, I think there's a real good chance Caleb Williams walks away with it. because Forget the Heisman, though. You think Caleb Williams is just better than C.J. Stroud, don't you? Yes. If, 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 if I were picking a team and you told me I had those two quarterbacks to pick between, I'd pick Caleb. If you were picking, if you were just making a team for this one year. Yeah. Yeah, Bryce Young, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and C.J. Stroud to choose from. We know it's not going to be Stroud because he doesn't even win the head-to-head. But what out of the four, who do you take? It's either Drake or Caleb. Over Bryce. It's, that's a, It's tough, but I, I, with Bryce and C.J., I have a hard time kind of separating them from who they're playing with. Now, obviously, Caleb has talented teammates, too. He has yeah. Jordan Addison. Although I would say Downs is is kind of analogous to Addison for Drake May. I would just love to see CJ Stroud's stats if he played in the Pac-12. Like I that's think that true. like that's so also defenses, part of it. Like I mean, right? CJ Stroud did this playing Iowa. You which are is pretty impressive. Like far more of a football mind than I am. But when I watch Pac-12 football, these guys are so open. Yeah. Like in other conferences, you don't even like there was a, a catch in the first quarter of the UCLA USC game where somebody caught a pass in the middle of the field, 15 yards down. And there wasn't a soul around him for 10 yards in every direction. I'm like, where is everybody? Yeah, I think we, we do see that. There's a, a lot, lot of pitch and catch in the Pac-12. There is quite a bit of that. And, and I will say I'm probably giving not giving CJ Stroud enough credit. For some of the defenses that he's had to play this I think C.J. Stroud's going to get penalized by some people for playing on a good football team, which is funny because it's the exact opposite of what typically happens in this well, reward. In this, in this case, he's up against people who are also playing with really talented people. So like, yeah. what, so what, what are the 
is it just the way that he looked then? And I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like just no, trying I, to understand I just, what I just feel like Caleb Williams like if I'm picking a team, I'm taking Caleb Williams because he can get me out of trouble. And then Caleb Williams also puts you in a position to be like, well, USC's been dormant for a long time. He's got them on the doorstep of the playoff. You can't tell the story of college football without him this year. Um and he's just the guy that is probably the most valuable player on his own team. That there's that, but again, like if you snap the ball over Caleb Williams' head, you still got a chance. Like he may yeah. make something of that. And I realize that's a really weird way of looking at it, but I, I think he has all of the same. I mean, you could also say the same thing about DTR, which he did right in the but, game. But DTR's and it's like- arm is not on par, and is and just his his timing, his decision-making, not on par with Caleb Williams and, and C.J. Stroud. Yeah, well, I, I can't push back on that with the game that we just watched. Um, I don't know what the statistics comparison is, though. It'd be very interesting to, to look They're, at that once. They, they produce at pretty similar levels. when the I, I, They were close on, touchdown, on total touchdowns. Uh, Caleb's a better runner, but they, they were pretty close coming in. I think Caleb may have, may have passed him in touchdowns today we'll we'll see um drake may had the most drake may and cj stroud were tied for the most with 34 and caleb had 31 going into today i think caleb had two touchdown passes so he hasn't passed him yet okay i believe i believe cj had a couple today so caleb williams also averages more yards a game than he does so yeah 301 to 275 uh passing yards yeah and i mean he put up 500 so i mean i think he has the stats there yeah, yards per attempt gonna be pretty similar. So CJ has has nine point nine and uh and Caleb this was going into to Saturday and Caleb was at eight point eight. Caleb's gonna go up. CJ probably about the same. So yeah, it, here's it's, the one thing that I think that you might be wrong about though. If CJ Stroud goes out and lights up Michigan, oh he's winning. It's no, over. There's no yeah, question. Like that's yeah. it. So like I yeah. think that basically and I was texting you this and you know, we I know we have a lot of people who gamble um, on this show, but I thought, well, Ohio State's probably going to be a four to six point favorite on Saturday next week, right? Yep. So them winning, they'd probably be minus one seventy five or minus two hundred to win. So I think that you could actually make the case that instead of betting the game, you could just bet Stroud to win the Heisman if he's plus money because it's just better odds. I I would agree with that. It makes perfect know. sense to me. And if he if he torches Michigan. Like if he throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns and Ohio State wins, you know, by two touchdowns, he's going to win the Heisman. I think it's over. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting uh, how people will vote and how I I don't know. I don't know if I will wind up voting for him, number one, but I can tell you he will win it if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but it does seem like it's down to two people. I don't and know. If they I both think, lose, I don't know who. Like, if they both lose a game, then what? I think I think Drake May can come back into it. Yeah, Hooker. Hooker. I don't know because we don't know. Because Drake May has much better stats than they do. Not much better. Again, the stats are not that. Different no, I know, for but all of but the quarterbacks. I saw a statistical breakdown between Drake May and C.J. Stroud coming into the weekend, and it wasn't even close because of his rushing statistics. Right, because Drake May leads North Carolina in rushing. Max Duggan is the other one that that yeah. needs to be talked about here because he he also is producing at a fairly similar level also very well those are my three my three that i would vote for in the straw poll doug no jalen Jalen carter probably not the actual best player in the country Uh, i we're not into that i feel like that mode from last year is not really prevalent right now because i don't know that there wasn't will anderson put up tons of stats aiden hutchinson was the most notable player on the team that won the big 10 that's why they were getting a lot more run. Jalen uh, Jalen Carter plays a position where he's not going to put up a ton of stats. Like his numbers are not going to be great. I mean, it was the discussion we had about Jordan Davis last year. It was the right. same thing. Yeah. Now J- uh, Jalen does probably does more than Jordan did just because they move him around a little bit. Heck, if but we're yeah. if we're going to be putting defenders into the Heisman discussion for fun, like Harold Perkins's name belongs in Harold there, in my Perkins opinion. absolutely belongs. I mean, without Harold he, Perkins, LSU is not in the top 10 right now. And we could, Point we blank. could be talking about, I think we could legitimately be talking about Harold Perkins for Heisman next year. If he's just, because he's probably just scratching the surface of, of what he can be. Yeah. But yeah, he's insane. 
By the way, does 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 LSU? And if you saw what Michigan's Michigan's offense looked like with Blake without Blake Corum out there, yeah, it's a disaster. So that, right. that I don't know if it, not playing kind of helps it helps him. your opinion of Blake Corum's Heisman chances. But the problem is if he's banged up, I don't know that we're going to get to see yeah what we're supposed to see against. But Ohio if Blake Corum comes out next week and runs for two hundred and thirty yards against Ohio oh, State, he, he's, three yeah. if he has he's the winning. Hassan Haskins game this year, then he can he's win it, right? So yeah, he's, he's not absolutely. out yet. And I think that also, too, with for how much Heisman moments that people have of like, what's the one play that you made that made everybody go like, this is the guy. It's like, could you talk yourself into the idea that look at what a team looks like when he's not playing? And it's like almost like he's not playing is oh, almost as good as playing. Well, well, I think you and I were at a game that that told us a lot about that. We we went to the Texas A&M Alabama game and it told us exactly what Bryce Young means to Alabama. Yeah, because that Texas A&M team's not good. And it was one play away from winning that game. Yeah. Are we uh, are we going to go down that road, or should we just save that for the middle of the week? Why not? We're here. T- well, did you see the stadium today? It was empty after halftime. Like, it, empty is an understatement. Like, it was like, I don't know if I can use the word. Is it literal? It wasn't literally empty. It was basically empty. It was virtually empty, yes. It was virtually empty. And... They struggled with UMass. Let's let's be real about it. Let's let's not. They were up ten to three at halftime. I think. Yeah. Let, let's not sugarcoat it. It was two it was, two offensive that, touchdowns in this game. The second offensive touchdown came in the fourth quarter. Um, when it was, it was pouring down rain, so you, know, you give them that excuse. But yes, they're they're playing LSU next week. I I think Harold Perkins has a pretty big day. Yeah, that Wegman uh, clip with him. The ball falling out of his hands as he uh, was trying to throw it. You see that? And it's like this is the microcosm of A&M season this year. It's like, yep. I think that everybody in College Station is just ready to pack up the bus right now and just try to get to the off season as but quietly they, as possible. They don't have to. They don't have to find the money. Now let, let's talk about coaching carousel a little bit because I, I do think some of the games today had some effect. I, I mentioned before we went to break a coach who's an interim now who earned a good hard look at potentially getting that job. And and I was talking about Brent Key at Georgia Tech because oh, he's, yeah. had, he's had to do this. You know, they lost Jeff Sims in the Virginia game. The dude has it, more more quality wins in his resume in a half of a season than Collins had his entire tenure. His entire there, time there. Yeah. And the other thing is that if, like, if they don't lose Sims, they win the Virginia game. So that's one of the games he's lost. You know, the, the other games he, he, he lost to Florida State, he lost to Miami. Maybe they don't lose to Miami if they have Jeff Sims too. But I mean, they they beat Pitt, they beat Duke. Those wins are looking pretty what good. What game right was now. it after they they fired Collins? Was that after UCF? They so they fired Collins after UCF. So they beat Pitt and Duke immediately. Again, they lost to Virginia when they lost Sims. But the the Frankenstein quarterback situation with the third and fourth stringer today, I, I was very impressed with that. And then I mean, they beat a top. 15 team in the CFP on the road tonight. And then and then Andrew Thacker's defense did a phenomenal job. Well, that's too bad they got to play Georgia next week. I know, it's not going to be pretty. So, <laughs> you know, may, maybe they continue the search, but I thought that was interesting. The the duel between two interim coaches on Saturday in Lincoln. Nebraska controlled that game for most of the way, but Wisconsin comes out with the win. I I don't know that Jim Leonard has definitely locked down that job I, I you know we assumed when they fired Paul Chris that it was to give Jim Leonard time to prove that that he deserved it but you know it, they, they obviously could go elsewhere because that job would be very attractive to a he lot was of people. three and one yep and then the Iowa game happened and the Iowa game was a real tough look mm-hmm. for them now Jim Leonard can has a built-in excuse Paul's the offensive guy and you fired him I didn't make this offense. I had no say in it. I didn't recruit these guys. You you give me the job. Here's the offense I'll run. Here's what I want to do. That's, Graham Mertz was 8 of 18 for 83 yards today. Yeah. It yeah. was not pretty. Again, built-in excuse for Jim Leonard, but I don't know if that's good enough. I don't know if that works. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not. I mean, that's the trouble that I always have when you promote somebody from within. It's like you have a problem here. You're trying to fix the issue and you promote somebody that was part of the problem, you know, and I understand there's different. But was the defense the problem? 
No, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. There's different sides of the ball. The I get it. So, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the question I guess you ask. And I'm assuming they've already talked to, to Jim Leonard about this. And, and maybe they're looking to talk to other people when their seasons end very soon here. But that would be my because I know what he's going to do defensively. What I want to know is what are you going to do offensively? How are you going to handle recruiting? What what is your recruiting strategy? How are you going to how do you want to staff the recruiting department? Because I think it's to try to get those big guys from Sheboygan. That would well that you continue doing that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, if you but if you read Jesse Temple's great breakdown of why Paul Chris got fired when he did, a lot of it was they lost the the guy who was running the recruiting department to Michigan State and then didn't and he, replace him for a he year. Didn't replace him. Yeah. <laughs> so Speaking of Michigan State, we got to talk about that. This is, you know, we've had our weekly A&M session. We've not had a weekly Michigan State session. Yeah. Maybe we should have. Michigan State, which is paying Mel Tucker $9.5 million a year, and he's fully guaranteed for the next nine years after this one. They must beat Penn State to make a bowl game. They lost to Indiana in double overtime at home. Is this box score wrong? Because I'm looking at their box score, and it says that Indiana's passing was quarterback Dexter Williams is two of seven for 31 yards in the no, entire that's game. Correct. That How do they score 39 points and only have two completions? Well, overtime helped, but it's uh, it's hard to explain. <laughs> but that's correct. That's correct. That's terrifying. It's it's bad. It's very very bad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the thing with Michigan State has always been and needs to be reminded is that this isn't a one-year plan or a two-year plan. This is a five- or six-year plan. So, yeah. um, you well, know, if you're going to freak out about Mel Tucker's contract right now, then you're not understanding the plan. So, I, I so if you, by the way, if you want to understand a little better the box score, Dexter Williams, the quarterback, had a 34-yard touchdown run. Sean Shivers, the Auburn transfer running back, had a 79-yard touchdown run. That was a one-play 79-yard drive. Uh, then Jalen uh, Michigan State scored. Then Jalen Lucas had an 88-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. So okay. Indiana did some scoring without. That's got to be an NCAA record. Most points scored with the fewest completions. <laughs> the fewest pa- no, because uh, I don't know. I has Navy Ar- ever put up 45 before? Army without- and Navy. Army and Navy have done. Done that before, yes. Yeah. Crazy times in, in East Lansing, you know. But <laughs> Sean is, Crowley here is saving back to East Lansing. Let's do it. It is uh, It's pretty amazing that this has happened. And, you know, Jimbo's taking all the heat, I think, off of Mel nationally. But locally. Well, I no. think Mel gets a, a lot of the heat. And, I, I, you know, Chris Fanini posted this on Twitter. Um a few days ago, I thought it might have been today. Let me pull up a stat. But I think the reason why Mel Tucker uh, gets uh, all the flack is because you know, Jimbo Fisher was like the first person to take this God contract. But right. But Mel Tucker is the one who kind of reset the market. Um, one college football coach made at least nine and a half million per year in 2021. That was Nick Saban. There are six now in 2022. Well, Mel Tucker didn't necessarily. I mean, if they had not given Mel Tucker that contract. USC still would have given Lincoln Riley what it gave them, and LSU still would have given Brian Kelly what it gave but them. But Riley isn't even included on these six because we don't even know what the actual number is. Right, but we're we're pretty sure it's it's up there. Tucker was it, the first one out of these six to get it. Right. And then Day got a raise to match that because that wouldn't have been right. Right. Uh, Brian Kelly, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, and Saban all probably got bumps as a result of that. Yeah. You can't pay Mel Tucker the most money of anybody in college football, can you? No. He's resetting not. the market. So people are like, I viewed him as the person that got the first one of those. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is he reset the market, but even if he hadn't gotten that, that market would have been set at that yeah, spot. Yeah, no, I know, but people you view him as the person later. who did. So, yeah, and it might not have been at Michigan State, though. That's the thing that's so crazy about it. Oh, it definitely wouldn't have been at Michigan State. Like, but the market was going to be set five days later. Say what when you want Brian about Kelly James Franklin. LSU James job. Franklin makes less than Tucker does, and he signed another God contract of his own, and he's accomplished a hell of a lot more. Well, James Franklin's won the Big Ten. And again, I, I always point this out because I'm still amazed by it, and I get more amazed by it every year. He won nine games two years in a row at Vanderbilt. 
Yeah, he did. Uh, how long does that uh, do you get credit for that? Is that like for forever thing? Forever. Is that like a key to the city na- thing? Na- name me, <laughs> name me the other coaches who could possibly do that. Don't look now, buddy. But we got uh, Clark Lee. <laughs> we got a few people in, in Nashville cooking something up here. So ne- my, yeah, my, next, yeah, next year Clark Lee joins the list. That's yeah. I mean, they got two in a row. They do. beat your Gators today. If they if they take down the Vols. Could you imagine if Vanderbilt closed the season out with wins? That's uh, called a winning streak. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Crazy times, man. Crazy times. So So. it was was a grab-ass Saturday. Grab-ass Saturday. The only team, though, that really took it on the – well, two teams. Tennessee and North Carolina took it on the chin. They're out of the playoff picture. The other teams that were in it, still in it. LSU still in it. Clemson's still in it. Mm-hmm. USC still in it. Ohio State, Georgia, and TCU. Am I missing anyone? Nope. That's everybody. That's everybody. Now, the question will be. It's going to be a lot harder to do it off the top of your head in a few years. Do, oh, and it's going to be <laughs> great. It's gonna, I, don't, I, I, I don't know how many will still be in it. We, have, we may have to do that exercise this week just to see how many teams would be in the legit hunt right now. It's hard to do now because some of the leagues still have divisions and they probably won't by the time mm-hmm. the new thing starts up. So who knows? The Rose Bowl might stand in the way and the new thing might not start until 26. I hope not. I can't imagine, but the Rose Bowl is like, we demand our, our typical start time. I just want them to say, guys, it's been fun. But if you're gonna if you if you're gonna try to boss us around, you can have Bigfoot and Gravedigger on January first at two p.m. Pacific time. How awesome would that be? Yeah, tractor pull at the Rose Bowl. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna savor the last few years of this or just let's start the new thing and get on with it. But um, well, I, I don't think we don't get a choice of that unfortunately that they're going to decide whether i'm just they can saying i don't know which one not. i want yeah I, I would like them to start it sooner because it'll be better so and and i think a year like this where we don't feel like anybody's all that great with all of them duking it out over four rounds we might get some good games we were definitely going to get good games yeah because I mean, who do you, do you feel like anybody is on? Well, actually, that's a good question. I I don't know that Georgia's on the level that we were placing Georgia on after watching them against Kentucky today. Like when they could not punch in that touchdown that would have put them up twenty three nothing, and then they allowed Kentucky to you know come back, score, and make that game somewhat competitive. I was like, are any well, let of me these ask you this. I know we're an hour and a half or an hour and five minutes into this, and I don't want to – I know it's 2.15 your time. I don't want to start a whole new show. But I tweeted this kind of half-joking but kind of half-serious. Is it possible that the SEC is just down this year? It's pos- It's definitely possible. So maybe we're getting a fractured segment of what Georgia is because they haven't played the typical SEC schedule that they usually have to. Right. I just don't – I don't know that I feel like Ohio State and Michigan are as dominant this year. No, no, Relative not. to the rest of the Big Ten either. I just don't know if we're in a situation where there's a team that's just ab- absolutely going to win it, and why are we even doing this? Like, do we just think that Georgia's going to just roll over no, everybody they play? I don't necessarily. I, I think the they are the one that would be most likely to roll all, of, all over the other ones, but I don't know that they're going to. I think there are only two teams in the sport right now that can win. Like the national champion will be one of two teams, Georgia or Ohio State. And I, I, I would bet anything on that because because you're saying this because you think Ohio State is the only team with the talent level capable of playing the kind of game and that the, just the draft picks that are yeah. on the team. That's what I mean. The know. talent level, yeah. But like, even though talent level is kind of vague, like they just they are the you, only you mean team deve- that's yeah developed talent. Like Marvin yeah, Harrison like Jr., Marvin Harris Jr., is, C.J. Stroud, yeah. Jack Sawyer's coming out, uh, J.T. Tuimalo. I mean, it's just like they're all over the place. Like dudes yeah. everywhere on that dudes team. Dudes everywhere, and and, so and George I, is the same way. You're and right. Like who, who's going to win the championship if it's not them two? One of those two. Like I mean, honestly, like be be real about it. Like we have to pretend like these other teams that we're talking about are are built that way. But the, well, okay, the truth is, me, everybody knows they're not. So let it's me okay throw another hypothetical at you. 
two loss Alabama gets in as a as an eight seed. I would say that Alabama would have a better chance of winning the national championship this year than any of the teams that are still in it that I didn't name just because now. of because of that talent. Just because of who they are, yeah. Well, that could produce some more fun games along the if way. If the twelve team playoff were this year, Alabama would have a very good chance to advance to the semifinals. And and might have and a you chance find to advance that, to the final. And you find that as a positive. Yes. And I don't like I don't not have the energy to go down this road again. I just don't find it to be a positive. That's because you want you want to be done with them. You want to put them out of your mind. Yeah, we enjoyed their upsets. It was crazy. We all enjoy it. We figured it out. They're not elite. But see, I, I want to enjoy I want to enjoy it when someone surprisingly beats them. But I also want the best, most talented teams still there to compete for the championship. And I respect that as your preference. Uh, I've, I've broken you. I love yeah, it. I've finally I'm, broken it's, it's you. It's 1.15. I'm just a man at the end of his pathetic rope. Um, <laughs> I've but broken I, but like, you. I will say that my point has always been the case of like, if you are excited for the expanded playoff because you want an eight seed to win, the eight seed that wins will be like this year's Alabama. It'll be Alabama. It's not going to be that's Pitt. okay. It's not going to be Pitt. Because maybe they should have been there anyway. Yeah. I mean, maybe the and, ball bounced funny sometimes. Yeah. And it does, you know, and a team like that can figure it out in a hurry. You know, I don't know if this year's Alabama team is actually I, good enough. I, yeah. I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, but think so. if I had to put, like, if somebody was like, Ari, your life depends on it, you have to put one team on the field against Georgia to win. And if they lose, we're going to take all your money from you. Who would you put? Like, just answer the question. We both agree we'd probably pick Ohio State in an indoor, in a dome. To in play a playoff setting to play against Georgia, Georgia to yeah. win, right? And no, if it I, wasn't yeah. Ohio State, then who would be team two? It ain't going to be any other teams that we're talking about in the context of the playoff right now. Yeah, it'd probably be Alabama. but And then I, it might I, be I, LSU after I, that. I agree with you that I don't think, well, LSU is is even far more imperfect than Alabama. So, and that's what, and maybe, maybe we're getting at a point. I don't know. I'm very I might have said Tennessee see, before this week, but not anymore. Not not just because of the playoff expanding, but because of the other changes in the sport. Are we seeing perhaps the teams coming closer together, where there's not that massive gap between? And maybe it's a it's the result of the portal, and we just haven't caught up to it yet. I, that's what I'm wondering because I think the portal makes things more efficient. I think instead of having guys sitting there waiting their turn at certain schools, they're starting and starring at other places, and it makes those games slightly more interesting. And I think it'll be interesting, too, to see if other coaches will stop playing the seniority bullshit and just play the best player. Because sometimes you have players who are on the bench for no reason just because they're young that transfer out there. And I was having an argument with somebody on Twitter about Harold Perkins saying he was one of the best players in the the country, and he goes, you're an idiot. He's a freshman. It's like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? That means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah, he is one of the best players in the country. What won't I acknowledge? BSC says I won't acknowledge that. I don't know. Uh, oh, that Georgia would. Uh, that this is Matthew's comment that oh, Georgia would. They probably crush would. Ohio yeah. State. Maybe I don't know. But Ohio Please, State has Ari the talent to put that. Okay. Ohio State has the talent to put a game together to compete with Georgia. Yeah, if I had they to put do. them on the, another team on the field, and I had to choose between. Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson, Utah, Penn State, Oregon, and North Carolina. Just the top 13 teams. Who are you throwing on the field there, BSE? You're throwing you the throwing, Buckeyes on the field. <laughs> throwing Penn State out there and, and hoping for the best or what? I mean, what? Well, before we go, I, I do want to point out what this discussion we're having. The Buckeyes, even if they lose, still very much alive. Yeah. That's if the, if the Buckeyes lose, and especially if they lose close, I just don't think you can put alive. Clemson over them just based on what we know about both exactly. teams. Exactly, that's why. That's why because if you lose USC or you lose TCU from that equation, it's really hard to put a twelve and one Clemson over an eleven and one Ohio State. And I realize this is one thing everybody yelled at me about when I said it was going to be Tennessee over USC. I don't think anybody's going to yell at me about that one though. I think they're going to agree. I think most people, including our, our friend Ralph Russo, would agree with me that if it's 12 and 1 ACC champ Tennessee or 11 and 1 Ohio State, that, that I think barely it's everybody lost knows to that Clemson's off this year. Well, and you have and you have the data point where you can point to and say, yeah, 
Here's here's where they did the same, you know, played the same team. But to and your own point, them. too, that's kind of bullshit because at the beginning of the year, Ohio State got them right. when they were, and and they got them as on the ascension. But, exactly. You know. But but people people will be less argumentative about that. I also think they'll be less argumentative because it's a Big Ten team and it's potentially two Big Ten teams getting in versus two SEC teams getting in. I think yeah. people are ready to see if if it's going to be a league getting two teams in, they want to see a different league. Because the ACC's gotten to do it once when Notre Dame was playing an ACC schedule. But they'd like to see a different league get to do that. And I think people would like to see the Pac-12 get in again, too. So, viva la difference. We're going to find out exactly how this is going to go down. Assume nothing. That is what Saturday taught us. Assume nothing. Except that we will be here all week with shows to get you ready for a chock full rivalry week. Talk to you soon.